All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, Jesus. We enjoy being in your presence. Lord, we, uh, it's just an awesome time just to spend with you and just to let you know how much we adore you and just to recognize in, in our songs and expressing our hearts that we, uh, we acknowledge your authority in our midst. You are Lord, you are King of all kings. But now as we approach your word, we also acknowledge the authority of your word. It's the thing that, that dictates everything and define who we are. It's the truth that leads us, Father. So we ask you as we approach your word, we pray that you will pour out your spirit because it is the spirit of truth that guides us into all truth that will reveal to us the truth that contains in your word that will change us and we become more and more like Jesus. This we pray in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's... Um, Let's go to the, uh, the book of Joshua. This time I would like to read a very, very short passage. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. It's only three verses, actually. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the man said, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell down, fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander said, the commander of the Lord, Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you standing, where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. We're continuing on the series on the uh, book of Joshua. And as I said, I sense that the book uh, contained in the book has a prophetic significance for this season for our church. Because I believe that uh, as a church, we are, we are coming into a new season. And as I said, the book of Joshua is a book of transition where the children of Israel, they have to transition from just liberated slaves to become conquering army. And uh, so what we've learned in the past that, you know, for them to be able to transition, and Joshua, especially as a leader, God spoke to Joshua to bury the past. Moses is dead. So as great as Moses was, he's dead. And we learn from, from the history of Israel that, you know, whenever they're, 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 when we don't have a sense of the future, we always re revert back to our past. And that's what happened with the children of Israel. If only we were in Egypt, you know. That was their situation. When they were under pressure, they always looked back to Egypt. And you and I, if we don't have a strong sense of where God is taking us, under pressure, which we will experience every time, that's what life is, we will revert to our past. 
if only it was like this. And we lose sight of what God has for us. So for Joshua, God, God told him to, to, to live a life of a new discipline for the whole nation. New discipline means the word of God will dictate what they do, what they say, and what they think. I think that's a good discipline, don't you think? Let the word of God decide. Because we live in the world that in whatever makes you feel, if you feel you're this, you're, this, you're that. And it's like, am I really defined by how I feel? No. It's the truth of the word of God that defines me. So, as, and we learn also that in the first generation under Moses, Moses was the sole miracle worker. But the second generation, it wasn't Joshua, it wasn't Joshua's staff or rod that's part of the, the, uh, the, the uh, Jordan River. It was the children of Israel obeying and submit to the commandment or leadership of Joshua. And they're together when the priest, when Joshua said, let the priests go and stand in the water. They didn't wait for the water to part. As they stood, the water parted. It's a different level of faith. As they entered the, the, the water, the Jordan River parted. And of course, under Moses, they wanted water. They got water. But under, under Joshua, it's the unity. Together, they, they produced the miracle. And uh, even, you know, under the leadership of Joshua, Joshua assigned and, and uh, divided the, the portion of what, what package of land each tribe will have. But he didn't deliver on a, on a silver platter. He said, you want it, you have to fight for it. Go for it. And we continue, as we continue to, to, uh, in the story, you will see. I've, I've selected different preachers. Uh, I believe that, that I want different, different guys to preach this series, and you will hear the story. Every tribe will have to fight for what, what is theirs. I love it. So let's, let's focus on this passage, all right? When Joshua knew Jericho and this, uh, this guy turned up, and then he... Uh, and he, uh, and Joshua challenged him and said, are you for, for us or for the enemy? And he said, neither. And it turned out to be that he is an angel of the Lord, really. And uh, some people have, have uh, interpreted this as the angel of the Lord, as the uh, revelation of pre-incarnate Jesus. Yes and no. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's speculation. Let's just... Let's just say he's God, <laughs> however the revelation is. But I want to draw our attention to this, to verse 15. The commander of the, Lord, of the Lord's army replied to Joshua, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Have you, if you read your Bible, do you, do you remember another incident where the same statement was said? The burning bush to Moses when Moses was in Midian, right? So, uh, 
This morning, my title, the title of my sermon is Holiness of God and His People. And I, wanna, I want to, to draw your attention to the three significant encounters with God that where holiness is the center of, of the issue here. Obviously, the first one is Moses at the burning, burning bush in, uh, in the land of Midian. That encounter, the same thing, God said to Moses, take off your sandals because where you are is a holy ground. In other words, where God, where God is manifesting, that's holy. Doesn't matter where it is. He could be in Iran. <laughs> That could be a holy ground, not just here. <laughs> so, uh, and the result of that divine encounter is a commission to lead the nation of Israel. But in that divine encounter, holiness was with the issues like, you know, hey, listen, you're standing on holy ground here. I'm sure Moses has been to that place many times because he was a shepherd at that moment. This time it's different. And the moment Moses walked away from that place, he was a different man. You understand? A divine encounter is meant to change you. You shouldn't be the same person. And not only that, something you have to do. Your commission. There has to be a sense of purpose. Any divine encounter is not like, oh, I feel good now. No, 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 no. no. What has God put in your heart? There's something that drives you in a good way. Yeah. The second thing is a divine encounter when Israel went to Mount Sinai. It was Moses by himself and now Israel, the whole people, the whole community. In Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 5 to 6, the whole of Israel was there. And in that, in that encounter, they were called to be a nation unto God. Now, I want to I I point this out. Israel, when they were in Egypt, they were just a group of people. They, become, they became a nation in Mount Sinai. That's when the law was given. It was like the Ten Commandments were like, you know, any nation, when you form a nation, you need a constitution. Well, the Ten Commandments were their constitution. That's the forming of them as a nation. So, in Mount Sinai, you know, this is what, what, what it says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 to 6. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me. Listen to this. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Once again, not just any nation, but a holy nation. Holiness is the key to it. It's the key issue here. Moses, the revelation of holiness and Israel, 
the revelation of God's holiness. They, are called, they were called to be a holy nation. And Joshua, before the conquest, once again, the revelation of the holiness of God. The question is, okay, why is this revelation of holiness of God is so important? Let me say this. When you start to talk about this subject, it's not an easy subject because it is a difficult one. Not many people would like to preach it, but we have to because it's in the Bible. Okay? You could go one way or the other. You could go to... I was brought up in silly sort of holiness movement. It was so legalistic where, where I, wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to have mullet, you know, like... No, it's true. Because, oh, it's, it's whatever, I don't know, it's so legalistic. Like, it was, you weren't allowed to do this, you were, it's just a bunch of don'ts. And I, as I read my Bible, I thought, there's a lot of do's and don'ts, really, in the Bible. We need to do this rather than don'ts. And it was horrible. So, uh, you can go one extreme where you produce legalism that is so bad, it destroys many people. Or you can go to the other side of, of the extreme, but it's so loose that you get this greasy, grossy grace, you know, and some, somebody called sloppy agape, whatever you call it, where you can be a Christian, you can do whatever. It doesn't work like that. So we have to address it the, the way the Bible, the Bible says what it is. Let's talk about holiness here. Okay, what is holiness? Holiness is, it is the essence of God. He is holy. Some have defined it as moral excellence. Well, that is true, but that is just part of it. That's just an aspect of it. Now, biblically, as I I study the biblical theology, to be holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be set apart. So when you say God's holy, God is holy, that it pretty much means what sets him apart from every other being. He is God. He is holy. Now the character and the, the nature and the characteristic of God's holiness is moral excellent, one of them. And the other one that's very important is he doesn't tolerate sin. When you read the biblical narratives, you can conclude this way, that God is so holy and God and, and uh, holiness and sin doesn't mix. If anything, whenever there is sin in the presence of the holiness of God, that holiness will consume that sin. Boom! Obliterate it, just like that. That's the nature of it. So that's why often in the Old Testament, people will, will sin in them, in their hearts, when they're confronted with the Holy God, just boom, they got consumed by it because holiness consumes sin. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it is. When there's a manifestation of the glory and the holiness of God, bang, that's it. So here's the question, though. Okay, we talk about God is holy, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's loving, okay? In other words, God is everywhere. How can God be everywhere 
in the, and being a holy God, holy, very consuming sort of sin, and there are sin everywhere in the world, and people still live. Good question, isn't it? A good scripture is this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, when Peter talked about the ultimate final judgment when Jesus comes. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he said, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now this next verse is very good. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. In other words, he's going to come, he's going to judge, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heart of God. In his holiness, this all-consuming sin holiness, and yet he is driven by this patience because he doesn't want anyone to come. He wants people all to come to, to repentance. And Romans chapter 2 verse 4 where it says that the kindness, the forbearance, and the patience of God, he, God's intention is that he shows that kindness and patience to lead people to repentance, to change. And there are a lot of biblical examples here, okay, of God's judgment. Obviously, the, one of the biggest, biggest judgments that God put upon the earth is, is uh, the story of Noah, the flood. That was a universal judgment, but here's the thing. It was like after a long time, since Adam to Noah, after a long time, God looked at mankind and the depravity of mankind. The Bible says he regretted that he created mankind in his image because the sin was so bad. So God had, God had to bring a universal judgment upon the earth. The whole earth was punished by God. He does, do, he does that. Another judgment of God is Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know the story. Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's like God waited and waited and waited with the, with, the, with the desire to see men change their heart. Remember? God is patient, is waiting for them to repent. So he, it's almost like, as, as if, if I can use uh, a picture, it's like God wait until that cup comes to a full measure and God can't wait and he has to judge. History says that in the Bible. He waited for Sodom and Gomorrah. Finally, he said, I have, to, I have to turn the city upside down. And same thing with, with, with the whole world. Mind you, that is universal judgment, but the other universal judgment, which is, which is bigger judgment, is the death of Jesus on the cross. He took upon himself the sins of the world. But another, another story which shows God's kindness is that the, the city of Nineveh, you know? City of Nineveh. 
they were, their sin was so bad, God wanted to ju judge the city, punish the city, but he sent one man, Jonah, to warn them. That's God. He's just give them an opportunity to repent. That's all he's looking for. And you know what? When he sent Jonah and they repented, Jonah was really upset, you know, the prophet of God. He was upset. It's like, I knew it, God. Because they repented, fasted for, they fasted for three days, and then <laughs> the city repented and God relented. He was going to judge them, but he decided not to because they repented. So Jonah wasn't happy because Syria, obviously the, the, the enemy of, of Israel, he really was looking forward to the destruction of the enemy. But God is not whether it's Syria, whether Israel, you know, they repented, so I'm going to forgive them. So Jonah was upset, and he said, I knew it, I knew. That, that's why he said, I ran away from you. When you sent me, I went to different direction because I knew the moment they repent, you're going to forgive them. <laughs> Can you see the nature of God here? Yeah. And of course, we're coming towards the final judgment one day. Now, this is what, what another question I need to ask. Is holiness an issue for us as New Testament believers? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? Are we forgiven? Are we saved by faith? Aren't we justified by faith? That's all it takes. All that is true. But I want to I want to read this scripture. Why don't you all turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. All the way, from, you know, up to chapter, uh, in chapter 1 to verse 13, Peter was talking about the nature of our salvation. And, and in describing the nature of our salvation, Peter was saying that, if you read the verses before that, he said, we're better than the angels. Which is true. Jesus didn't come to die for the angels, but for us. <laughs> and he said, we are better. Angels were looking for us. Like, you know, what is Jesus doing here? That's according to Peter. It's like, they long to see what kind of salvation it is. Not only that, he said, our salvation is better than that of what God did to the children of Israel. Yeah. That's our salvation. It's better than what God did with the children of Israel. And then verse 13, he said, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now listen to this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Verse 15. But just as he who called us is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because 
I am holy. He was quoting from the book of Leviticus, that very statement. So in quoting from Leviticus, Peter implies that we are now new Israel. Just as it was in the case of salvation unto holiness for the children of Israel, it is also for us. We are the new Israel now. If you read further, chapter 2, verse 9, Peter quoted almost word for word what was written in, uh, in Exodus that we read before, Exodus 19. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The same call to Israel is now the call for us to be a holy nation, holy people. Now, here's the thing. Peter wrote this. Now, don't forget, this is the same Peter in, in the subject of holiness, the same Peter who spoke to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to the Holy Spirit. And he said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Both of them dropped dead. I mean, that's, you're talking about the, 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 uh, the uh, what's the, the season, the, yeah, the, the moment of grace in the New Testament, the moment of grace, all right? And uh, <laughs> they took grace for granted, and it cost them their lives. They died, dropped dead. Yeah. The thing is, as Christians, I believe, well, you know, it is important for me to, to, to talk about this because I believe it will lay the foundation for the next message, messages, all right? But one thing as Christians, we, we have to know that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Yes, grace is free, but it's not cheap. It's given to you free, freely you receive, but it's not cheap. It costs God Jesus. For, so every sin, everything that we, we, we think, oh, it will be fine. God. No, no, actually it costs Jesus. It costs God Jesus. Yeah. And this sort of too extreme has caused a lot of reactions in, in, in uh, Diana went to Indonesia and and uh, People have preached this grace that, you know, so it licenses you to do whatever. And then uh, different ministers came and talked to me about this issue. And then, so they call it hyper grace, and then there's a church called hyper grace, and this church, anti grace. So in some churches, you're not allowed to preach grace. So they react to that wrong preaching. It's like, you know, from now on, we're not going to preach grace. And I said to, to, to my brother, who's a pastor, I said, it is the essence of our faith. Grace is you can't not preach about grace. Come on, man. You can't build another doctrine as a reaction to the wrong doctrine. You have to go to the Bible and find out what grace really is. So grace, let me say this, grace is not that God accepts your sins. He accepts your repentance. It's a big difference. 
What is accepted before God is your confession of sin. Not your sin, not that sin, but your confession of it. So, how does God produce holy people? What does God do? Well, you can come back next week. I'll preach, preach that, that one next week. <laughs> how does God produce holiness in people? I was going to get Calvin to preach the next thing at the book of Joshua next week, but as I was preparing this morning, I thought, well, I need to answer another question here. So, uh, sorry, Calvin. It'll give you more time to prepare your sermon. <laughs> How does God produce holy people? So what, what do we do as, as the kingdom of priests? Because the world is going crazy. Okay, you've got to understand, holiness is being separated for God, not separated from the world. All right? Often we have these Christians, you know, it's about me being separated and don't touch the world. No, no, it's not that. It's actually being separated for God, not from the world. We're still in the world. Right? So, here's the thing. While we're here, we live a repentant life. We'll talk more about it next week. But this is our job. This is what Paul said to Timothy. As a young minister, Paul said in giving instruction, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I urge then, first of all, okay, as a minister, this is what you need to do, that petition, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I want you to underline those things. Petition, prayers, intercession, thanksgivings. Be made for all people. You know, sometimes people have, we understand that we need to be praying and all that. And sometimes people say, I, I, I want to be, one day I'm going to be a prayer warrior. You will never be a prayer warrior by talking about it. You need to just start praying. Really. I mean, let me say this, 10 minutes is enough, 15 minutes is enough, but you're praying. You know, we, we hear this prayer movement, where we're thinking like, oh, we're going to just shake the heavenlies, no, no, just get to God and talk to God and thank God about people you, you love. Thank God about people you know. That's what we need to do. Stop this high-floating dream, sort of like, okay, I'm going to, but you never do it. No, just spend 10 minutes. Father, I thank you for Ange. I thank you for Dan. Like, I think, you know, just things like that. You'd be amazed when you start thanking God for certain people. I'm, I mean it. I've, I've seen it. It's crazy. Every day I thank God for people. It's a good way of remembering their names too. 
Yeah. Why? Because the heart of God is, he wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth. If Anna is an atheist, a lot of talk's not going to do it. She probably loaded with knowledge and research and all that, and I'm just another belief system. Before I talk to, to, to her, I need to go out to talk to God about her. You guys getting the picture here? Before I, I, I'm going to come and talk to, to Ange, let me just go talk to God about her. And then God will change her heart, so by the time I go and talk to her, something is happening. That's how it works. I tell you what, we're going to start prayer movement. Why, why don't each one of you take three names and start thanking God for them? I mean it. Maybe beginning with your wife or children or your closest friends. Today, make a decision. You know, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We don't pray, we cease to become the house of God. Really. My house shall be called a house of prayer. In other words, prayer defines what the house of God is. We don't pray, we cease become the house of God. Let's all stand up. Let's sing that song, This Is My Offering. Father, yeah, 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 yeah. She's got a testimony. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember this from yesterday. It was actually really amazing. It was so simple, but so powerful. And just Brown preaching on it. Look at his face. He's so cute. He loves me so much. Um, <laughs> talking about prayer. But I had to drop into Audi to, to get something. And I was, I've been meditating on the scripture. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And I'm standing there, and I literally picked, and I was in a real hurry because I was just gone from one place to another place, and I was going to go back and see Brahman. I had three items, literally just three items in my hand. And of course, I go to the, there's no express lane in Audi. And uh, so I'm standing at the, at the thingy checkout, and there's, of course, like these two couples that have got their entire month's worth of shopping going through. <laughs> And, of course, you know, if I'm that person, I'm often looking around and I'll see someone like myself and say, why don't you go through? And most people are like that. But these couples were talking to each other. The one, that couple was talking to each other. The one in the front was talking to the lady at the thingy. And they were so consumed. So I stood there and I thought, now, do I just say, excuse me, would you mind me going through? Which I'm very apt at doing. Brahm never would, but I'd push my way in everywhere. And I thought, no. And I stood there and I prayed. And it just in my mind, I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, can you please make a way for me? And I'm not joking. It was the strangest thing. But suddenly this woman looked around. She had no reason to look at me. She turned around just quietly said, oh, would you like to go in front of me? And I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. So I went in front of her. And then the other couple who hadn't heard her say that, the woman just suddenly turned around and said, you can go in front of me if you like. I, I actually almost... It was just the weirdest experience because I know that they hadn't heard each other. They, they weren't looking at me. They were all consumed with what they were doing. And it's like God saying, if you just trust me, if you just pray, even in the smallest of things, just let go, let go, 
and just let me be in charge. I figure, listen, if God can look after me in the Audi checkout line, He can look after our big issues, yeah? Isn't that a powerful testimony? <laughs> I love Audi, so does Brahma, call her his second wife, yeah, so... As we sing this song, let's, let's present ourselves as a vessel of prayer to God. Really. I think we need to be serious about this. Because we will become what, whatever God wants us to become, holy and all those things. We start by conversing with Him. It's crazy, man. Just the very thought of this perfect, holy God wants to have people, wants to live with people, <laughs> and you pay a high price just to live with us. Let's just stop the super spiritual language about prayer, intercession, or whatever. Prayer is simply talking to God. Yeah. You know, I was so occupied. A lot of things happened in the last few months, nearly 12 months, where I was so distracted. And, and I was like, God, I was supposed to be doing ministry work and I was supposed to be doing this, doing that. Supposed to be doing this. It was, you got to understand because I'm a, I'm a man of routine. I love my routine. Get up early in the morning, read my Bible, pray, say a little prayer. And all those were destroyed. Like, and God said, because you start to get your security from your routine, so I'm going to take that away from you too. So it's just me and you, right? So you know what? During those times of distraction, I developed a prayer that doesn't matter where I am, painting the, the apartment, driving the car, constantly. I've never prayed so much this, like, like I have been this last, especially four or five months. It was like yesterday, do you remember you asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm just enjoying the presence of God. And yet I was painting because something was welling up in my heart. I was the song that came to me, this song, actually, and uh, the other song, You Are Faithful. It's just because there's no reason. God is everywhere. There's no reason for you because we are so caught up with the doing of things rather than enjoying being with God. Sometimes those moments need to be there. And I just said, God, all day, you know, I was like, I was exhausted. I just said, God, I said, Jesus, you're all I need. All right. The first move, you want to be an intercessor? <laughs> intercession, basically just praying for others, really. You come to God on behalf of others. It's that simple. So the first step is just turn around and start praying for each other. This is a new beginning for all of us. Like I said, from today, just pick up three people. I mean, you want more, that's fine, but just three people so that you are consistent. 
and start praying for those three people. Just ask God, God, who can I pray for? Three people. They don't have to be in the church. Anyway, just pray for them. You might, I want to say this. Let me be honest with you. People who have left the church, for whatever reason, they, they, they haven't told me why. You know what? I still pray for them because my concern is like, God, doesn't matter where they are. I just want them to be with you. I hope they find a, a good church. But I don't know what they're doing now. But I want them to walk with you. That's when our hearts as leaders and anyone here, that's why Jesus said pray for those who misuse you and abuse you. Just pray. Okay? Turn around, pray for another. This is how we close the meeting. Thank you, Jesus. Go for it.